Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the round two podcast. My name is Nikki Corbett and I am your host. And I am very excited to be sitting here recording with my friend, Trisha. She is a working woman. She is a mom. She is a wife. She has so many fun things that that make up who she is and her great personality. And I'm really excited for her to sit here and chat with me and talk about her life and her path and what has gone on to get her where she is today. So Trisha, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Nikki. Um, So as you had said, I am a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a working mom, and um, all of those different things, you know, lead to my personality and who I am at the same time. um, I'm just a girl from Sonoma County who has had interesting parts of her life um, that have accumulated um, you know, different viewpoints and, uh, life realizations when our whole County went up in flames about five years ago. So talk to me about that. Like what, like go back to that night or even that those few days leading up to it, the fires had started and what are you hearing? What are you guys thinking? What's going on? So, um, we were actually some of the first, um, our house was one of the first areas to be lost. So the few days leading up to it, um, you know, I, I have a side gig. I am a consultant for Rodan and Fields and for whatever reason, not financial, not family obligations. We had our convention that weekend and I didn't go. I could have gone. It would have been really good having been in the business for a total of six months for me to go, for me to learn, from me to, you know, just take in the excitement and bring that home to help further my business. But for some reason, I didn't go. And I was on the phone and FaceTiming with my team the entire time they were there. Total huge case of FOMO like just the biggest case of FOMO as they're in Vegas and telling me about all the cool speakers and all the things they're learning. So did you have a conflict or were you just like, was just something and you just like, ah, I don't think I can make this work. I, something in me was, this isn't right for me to go. I need to be home. Okay. So I'm home now. It is Sunday night. It is windy. It's hot. And my husband and I are sitting on the couch. It's like 11 o'clock at night and the power goes out. So we lived in Fountain Grove and we lived next to a very well-known barbecue restaurant. So smelling the smokers at night wasn't abnormal for us. So we're sitting there, the power goes out. We're like, well, it's 11 o'clock. Let's go to bed. And so I have a husband who can fall asleep in, you know, under 30 seconds. Oh, my nice. <laughs> right. Um, I don't have that ability to do. It's <laughs> not like I sit there and mull on my thoughts. I just don't turn off that fast. Right. Right. Well, thankful, thankful for that night. Uh, so we have no power. I'm sitting there reading a book on my phone, off my Kindle app and out of nowhere I have, I'm in construction 
and I have a superintendent who lives on the other side of the county, closer to towards the ocean, who texts me, and it's like 11:40, and he's like, "Hey, are you all right?" I said, "Yeah, I'm fine. Why?" I said, "I don't have power," and he said, "There's fires." And I said, "What are you talking about?" Oh. And he said, "There's fires. I don't want you to go to sleep. Can you check social media?" Oh. Yeah, I can check social media. So I jumped on social media and I'm trying to kind of follow what's going on. So I could tell that it had started kind of towards Calistoga. And if anyone knows where our region is, Calistoga kind of is up over two hills from where our house is. And, and so I have friends that live you know, between Calistoga and where we are. And then I see that there's another fire that started, you know, in another subdivision area of our town that's, you know, further to the east of us. And I said, okay, I texted my friend back and I said, I see what's going on. I'll stay awake and I'll keep tracking it. And he said, I'm going to keep checking on you. I said, okay. So I go up to my living room, I'm sitting on the couch. I'm trying to follow what's going on on social media and another fire breaks out about two miles away. Oh, and I, I see a friend post that there's a fire coming their direction, which is the exact midpoint of this newest fire and where our house is. And I just kept looking to see if he said he was going to evacuate because I knew if he was going to evacuate, it was within a mile of our house and we needed to leave. And where I was, I had big sliding glass doors out the front. It was like a little Juliet balcony and I could look up the hillside to the, the ridge of um, the hill that we lived on. And it just kept getting brighter. So the ridge line just kept getting brighter, kept getting oranger, then it started getting redder. And then I saw that he had posted, my friend Sean had posted that he and his family had to evacuate. So at that point, it's probably about 1.40. I've been up for two hours yeah. and I go and I didn't want to wake up Roy, my husband and scare him or, you know, any of those things. But I did go and I woke him up and I said, there's fires. I need you to come and look at something. I need you to come and look at the ridge line. I think we should probably evacuate. And it was one of those things that, you know, we've married this coming April will be 20 years. So it'll be 15 years at that point. And, uh, it, it's one of those things that of course has your husband sometimes thinks you're being dramatic about things. I'm not really a dramatic girl, but no, I didn't, the, the, <laughs> the look on my face. And I think the tone of my voice kind of set something where he was like, wait, what? Like he knew there was something wrong instantaneously. So I took him up to the Ridge. I took him up to the, to the sliding glass door at the front. He looked at the ridge line. He said um, some cuss words and wow. he looked at me and he goes, what do we do? What do we do? And I said, I think we just need to go pack a bag or two. I'm hoping that we can come home tomorrow, but I think we need, we have two kids at that time. Our kids were eight and 13. Oh, and I said, we need to pack, we need to grab the kids, pack some bags. And I think we just need to, to just get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Now. At this point, it's 1.40 in the morning. There are fires everywhere, everywhere. 
um, I, while I was sitting there in the dark, I, the wind was atrocious. You would hear these big booms and I thought that it was thunder, but there was no lightning. And what I realized shortly after like the second one is I was hearing transformers blow up. Oh. And so at that point we go down into our room, we grab a couple of things. Luckily, we've always kept a small, very handheld safe that has, you know, birth certificates and um, marriage certificates, car registration, passport, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So we, we grabbed that. Everybody have those in a to-go box, if nothing else. Um, And so we grabbed that, grabbed clothes. Like I'm thinking I'm going to work. So I grabbed a blouse and a pair of jeans come to find out I didn't grab any shoes and oh. just random things. Um, I go down to our daughter's room. She wakes up. She said, mom, what are you doing? I said, honey, don't be scared. I need you to put some clothes in a bag. We need to leave. So we get her, we have a yellow lab. We get her in the yellow lab in my husband's car. We run downstairs because our neighbors next door are packing up to leave. We're outside. There's ash falling. Like it's, oh it's a situation. Um, and so about the time we're going back in the house to go and get Cooper out of his bed, two policemen pull into our neighborhood. And when I say they were freaking out, they were not a calm demeanor in a crisis. They were freaking out. Oh my gosh. Which then turns the whole situation on its head. Yeah, it makes it and, like dire at that point. And it and it was dire. And they said, You need to leave, you need to leave now. And we said, We're we're we have one child still in the house. We're going to grab them. And so we literally ran down a flight of stairs, scooped our eight-year-old out of bed, threw him in my car, and left. Now I I didn't know this at the time or in that moment, but the police officer, for some reason, didn't realize who he had been talking to. So he was knocking on our door, trying to wake us up as we're trying to leave. I left in front of Roy. I have Roy. I mean, I have Cooper and our dog, Bo, and um, Roy has Madeline in his car. And so he stopped to, to actually go tell the police officer, we're fine. Keep going. We're fine. We're leaving. Well, because there's no power where we lived, it was, it's kind of a switchback road uh, with large, very large eucalyptus trees. So you have no light and you're coming around a bend that you can't see. And there's eucalyptus, you know, branches and everything in the road. Um, So, you know, it's, you're trying to avoid those things. You get to this bottom of the road where you can either go left muscle memory for me or right a different direction to get to our same point. Um, and we decided we're going to come to another neighborhood in town called Bennett Valley because it didn't seem like there were any fires in that area. And one of my best friends lives in Bennett Valley. And so I went left muscle memory, Roy and Madeline went right. They drove by my parents' house to make sure that my parents' house was fine. My parents weren't there. My parents were on a road trip. And I went down the hill that we lived in, Fountain Grove, 
got to the bottom of the hill, all of the lights, all the traffic lights are out. And all these people from the east side of Santa Rosa, where there was a fire, were trying to get out. And I was trying to get out. And I got stuck on a road. And it's just dead traffic. Everyone's trying to go the same direction. And there were fires to the left. And there were fires behind us. And I could see the hillside on fire behind us. And I had a moment in that car. Sorry, it gets me every time. It's okay. Um, because of what I, a direction I chose, I had the thought that I'm stuck here in this car with my son and our dog and we might die here. Oh. And it was one of those situations that about that time, Roy's calling me going, where are you? Yeah. Where are you? you left before me. Where are you? And I said, I'm stuck. I'm stuck here. And he said, are you safe? And I said, if these cars don't fucking move, we're not going to be, cause I can see the fire behind us. Oh my God. And he said, okay, you're going to be fine. You're going to be all right. And about that time, the cars started to move slowly. And, he, and I said, okay, we're moving. I'm going to get to you. I'll, I'll be there soon. Just, you know, if you, if I'm not there in 15 minutes, call me back, but it's just, there's so much traffic. I, I went the wrong way. And, um, you know, at that time as I'm stuck panicking a little bit, what's the first thing you do when you, if you're not going to call your husband, you call your mom, <laughs> you call your mom. Yeah. Uh, so I called my mom, my mom and my stepdad were on a road trip. Uh, they were looking for property in Idaho, which they now live in Idaho. And, uh, I called her and I've done this to my mom one other time when she was on a road trip and there was a medical emergency and she had to come back. Um, this time I called and I said, don't panic. I said, there's fires. We had to evacuate. We're going to Jenny's house. Your house is locked up. Roy already drove by. You're going to need to come home though. Yeah. And she said, how bad's the fire? And I said, you need to turn on the news. I can't tell you I'm literally in the middle of it. Yeah. So my, of course my, then my, my parents are in a panic. Um, uh, at the same time. I have a dad and his wife and I called them and I said, my dad's wife answered the phone and I said, I need, I said, I'm not going to use her name, but I said, you know, Hey, so-and-so, um, I need, I need to talk to dad. And she said, what? And I said, there's fires and we needed to, we needed to evacuate, but I need to talk to dad. And she said, there's fires. And I said, yes. And she said, okay, thanks. And hung up the phone. What? Okay. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. And hung up the phone. And I think I even looked at the phone and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? What? And I just put it down and I kept driving. And I, as I almost pulled into my girlfriend's, uh, the neighborhood that my girlfriend lives in 
he, my dad calls me back and he said, what's going on? You called? And I said, yeah, I said, there's fires and we needed to evacuate. I said that the city is on fire and we needed to evacuate. And I'm just letting you know where we are and where we're going. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. All right. Okay. All right. Everything's going to be fine. And then he goes into panic mode. And I said, dad, we're fine. We're going to Jenny's. We're going to be okay. And he said, okay, I'll call you in a couple hours. I said, okay. So I get to get to my girlfriend's house. You know, like none of us leave our phone, the ringer on anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like two 15 in the morning and I cannot get my girlfriend to answer her phone. Oh, no. And so we're pounding on the door oh, at no. 15 in the morning and I hear their dog barking and their dog's name is Bauer. And I'm like, Bauer, Bauer, bark, bark, Bauer, bark. Cause <laughs> like, I'm yelling and screaming and doing the whole thing. Yeah. And I hear her husband, who's a very good friend of mine. Hello. And I was like, it's us. Come open the door. It's an emergency. Open the door. You, your phones aren't on. Yeah. And so, um, they come and open the door completely dazed. Oh. And I said, there's fires. The city is on fire. Uh, and I said, they said, what do you mean? And I said, it came from Calistoga and then it's in Larkfield and then it's up over Fountain Grove where we lived. And then it went down the hill and by that point it had jumped over the freeway and, and, and I said, it's the, the city's on fire. And so that was about, yeah, like two fifteen ish. And about, I remember about three twenty five we had an earthquake. There was an earthquake that night too. Yeah. Mother nature was pissed. Jeez. I didn't know. Yeah, there was an earthquake and then next to that restaurant that we live next to, there were other um, establishments, business establishments. One of them was uh, a hair salon that another one of my good friends worked at and her, the owner's husband or something was a fireman or knew a fireman or something like that. And it was a situation that by 7.15 that morning, we were getting pictures and it was decimated. Wow. Our, our, where we lived, our home, the business, the entire neighborhood, the whole hill was completely decimated. Um, going back two weeks later, three weeks later, I think it was three weeks later when we were when we went back to sift. That's when you were finally allowed to go back? Yeah, because the fires went on for a solid seven days Yeah, where we were. And I mean, they were worried about, you know, gas lines and all oh, of the things. Yeah. But um, when we went back about three weeks later, a friend of ours who is a war vet he looked at it and he said, this looks like we're in a different country. This looks like Afghanistan. This does not look like an affluent part of Santa Rosa and the wine country and everything else. This is a different world. 
and the photos make it look, I mean, that's exactly what it looked like. It was just, it was, it was completely decimated. Mm -hmm. And so it did, it ripped through. We probably got out 10 minutes, maybe. Oh my gosh. Unbeknownst to us. It wasn't, we didn't know it was that close. Right. Right. Yeah. But it was probably 10, 15 minutes and it was right on top of the house. Um, Oh my God. And that's so crazy. I didn't know that it was like that the fires hadn't already started the night that you guys left. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think back on and what I was, you know, started our conversation with was that trip. Yeah. That that all of my Rodan and Fields team was on. So had you gone on that trip, would you not have been home yet the night that you had to evacuate? I would not have been home. I would not have been there to get the call from my superintendent. I would not have been there to wake up my husband and to get our family out of the house. I don't know what would have happened. Yeah, totally. I mean, because if they would have like not heard the cops knocking on the door or Wow. So sometimes the universe, you know, puts roadblocks or it's intuition or any of those different things that, you know, you could, you could call it, but there was no reason I shouldn't have gone on that trip. Right. I was virtually there and in spirit the whole dang time. And I really do believe that I I didn't go just for that particular reason, because that was coming upon us. And I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't been there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is nuts. Like, I felt like I was like watching a movie, listening to you talk about that because I didn't, I, I don't think I've ever heard you tell that story in that level of detail. So it, um, I didn't talk about it for probably a year because it, it was too fresh, sure. but by not sharing that story and the other bits and pieces that go along with it, I think there's, there's value in realizing the really difficult moments in your life mm-hmm. and forget the, you know, fleeing and, and all those other things, that moment of pure, um, I don't want to say loss of hope, but that moment that I had in the car that I could actually die Mm -hmm. with my child Mm -hmm. in this vehicle is a moment I will never forget that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think that has, how do you think that feeling and knowing, you know, and living through that moment, how do you think that that has like shifted your personality, your perception, the way you live your life today, the things that are important to you now that maybe weren't as at the forefront back then? Well, I would say that from that event, from we lost 
basically all of our worldly possessions. We, we lost everything. We lost um, heirlooms and um, my husband was an athlete. Um, he played at very high levels. He had Olympic medals and jerseys and all sorts of things. And, you know, his father's passed away. And so we, we couldn't get those pictures and we can't get those jerseys and you can't get those medals. And, and, you know, um, we had, I was before our oldest, um, I was pregnant with our first and uh, about two weeks after we got married, uh, I had to give birth to a stillborn at 21 weeks. Oh my and God. so the only thing that I had left of that was our first ultrasound photos and a baby book that oh. I had bought. All of that's gone. Yeah. Like you can't get those things back now the clothes, the, the furnishings, the, all of that stuff, while it's important and it's comfort, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at post, post that fire, we've had a handful of other fires. Mm-hmm. And while I appreciate everyone's PTSD and their go bags and everything else. Um, There's only been one where we were on the cusp of, you know, you may need to evacuate, so get your stuff together. And, you know, I went through and videoed everything in my house just in case, Mm -hmm. but you know, you walk around and you Marie Kondo your house. You're like, what gives, what brings me joy? Like, what am I going to be upset with if I, lose right and can never get back very little mm-hmm. the answer to that is very little of worldly possessions very little yeah are there things that if you lose you would be devastated over mm-hmm. um so that it brings into perspective all the stuff we have that we don't really need mm-hmm. yes it brings comfort Yes, it's nice to have, you know, a closet full of all sorts of clothes to choose from. It, yeah, the televisions are nice and all that, but it doesn't freaking matter. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not. Yeah, I, it's nice to walk into a space and feel like you said it's comfort. It's it's, it's comfort, relaxation. It's feeling like oh, I can chill here and decompress and let go of the day. But you can do that other places. You can. So on top of that, or in addition, there was lots of life lessons about this whole fire. Um, the relationships that I have with people Mm. that changed dramatically, uh, in a moment of crisis, you see who steps up Mm -hmm. and you see who doesn't step up Mm -hmm. and you and I, how we met, we have an extremely good mutual friend, Mm -hmm. her. And another one of our, one of my really good friends um, from high school, they stepped up in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed up. I, we, we, we were lucky enough to have incredible people in our lives that just step in in a moment's crisis and get shit done. Um, one of them had to happen to be my Rodan and Fields um, mentor. And she had a bunch of people, bunch of friends that she knew and she loved that all lost their house on that very first night. 
and uh, her family is in development. Her aunt, her husband, and a brother-in-law had a house, or I'm sorry, an apartment complex that was almost done in downtown Santa Rosa. Mm. And she called and said, how close are you to being done? He said, three weeks. She goes, you have three days. I'm going to fill it with fire victims. Oh my gosh. And so when you have nothing and there's fires still raging and you're trying to like wrap your head around everything you've lost, you have this person who, who calls you and says, I have an apartment for you. The kids are going to have to share a room. This isn't for forever, but this will at least put a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, absolutely incredible. And this mutual friend of ours that we have, Katie, and um, my other good friend from high school, Juana, they showed up and they said, well, Katie started a GoFundMe page. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I, you know, we have, we, we had some insurance and, you know, I family and in that kind of stuff, like I'm not someone that needs a GoFundMe page. And she's like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like you literally yeah. lost, you lost you everything. Ran out, <laughs> you ran out the door and you don't have a coat. Like your children lost, like you lost everything. We're doing a GoFundMe page, yeah, which was incredible. And in, into everyone who ever donated to it, like, I can't say thank you enough, but sure heard want to showed up and they said, okay, you have this apartment and you literally have nothing to move in with. So we're going to make lists and we're going to shop and we're going to shop and we're going to shop and we're going to shop. And they, Katie made budgets and we just started shopping and, and she just, her and Juana just, they just started calling people and made me shop and made me make decisions. And, and I just remember it just being a haze of, of like three weeks, just a, just an absolute haze. I was numb and they were like, just go, we're getting it done because I think it was less than a week after the fire took the house and there's still fires. We were moving into this apartment and we walked in with two bags of donated clothes and toiletries and in these sorts of things. And the very next day, Katie and Juana made me go pick up all this stuff. And then it was like, they were, you know, washing towels and, and putting, you know, the things away in the cupboards and, and ordering bunk beds for the kids and, and getting mattresses and just doing all the things because I, I, I don't know that I, that I couldn't have done it myself, but I just needed somebody to pull me along. It was just that level of numb. Yeah. You're, you're a robot. Yeah. Well, and that's like the beauty of friendship and the beauty of community and the beauty of people coming together when like the worst case scenario happens. Yeah. And like like people showing up and people, you know, people either show up or they disappear in times of crisis. And you really do find out who your friends are and your family. Absolutely. I, um, I no longer have a relationship with my dad Mm. because for as much of I'm going to get there we're going to figure this out. We're going to find you a place to live. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about this. I'm going to be right there. Mm-hmm. It took him three weeks to get here. From where? And then, 
I lives in Arizona. Oh, and he has all the means in the world. Oh, and while I appreciate that they, people can have health issues, if said people have health issues, leave them behind and come take care of your one and only daughter. Absolutely. In a moment of crisis. Yeah. Um, he showed up. I had one meal with him. He was here for six days. There were other things that were more important, like pulling plans for clients of their houses so they could go get them rebuilt. Mm, yeah. And, you know, trying to highlight those sorts of situations with him, it, it fell on deaf ears. Now, I'm not going to say that I didn't have somewhat of a difficult relationship with him leading into this. Mm -hmm. uh, we were very close as I was younger, not as close, but still trying as this hit its path. And what I learned most is if it does not benefit me emotionally, if it is an emotional vacuum, mm -hmm. if what I'm putting into a relationship with another person does not fill me up and it only drains me dry, then that's not where I need to be focusing my attention. 100%. Because I have all of these other people and all of these other relationships that are there to fill me up mm -hmm. and there to step up. And so it highlighted those, those highs and those lows. And there was another friend who called within days of the fire and within 30 seconds, it was how can my connections and con in construction help him build a business off of this? What? I mean, his, his thought process was, you know, he wanted to do good. He wanted to help, but he called me and said, I'm so sorry. I heard what happened. You doing okay. You know, you Roy, the kids, you guys all okay. Okay. So that's good to hear. Happy, you know, that you're safe, but I need your connections because this is what I want to do. So who do I talk to? Who do I, you know, who do I go out to? Who do I? And I was like, you're like, gee, let me add that to the top of my priority list right now is like getting you a Rolodex of my contacts. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Like, can you, can you not make it about you? Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't need to be about me, but I mean, dude, read the yeah. room. <laughs> oh my gosh. Read the fire. Come right? on. Oh you my know? gosh. So, and I just can't like, and I have to understand, I had to understand that relationships have a time and a season. And they say that, you know, really about romantic relationships and those kinds of things also, but friendships and oh, it, it applies to, to family every relationship. I mean, and I think that that, and that's something that I feel like the older I get, the more I learn is that it's, it's just a lifelong because as human beings, like we're constantly evolving. And so, you know, that whole people are here for a reason, a season or a lifetime, I think is the saying, right. So 
it's so true for those seasonal people. And sometimes the season is years. Sometimes it's 10, 15, 20 years. And then sometimes it's a few months or sometimes it's a couple of years, but it's so true because we don't all grow and change at the same rate or on the same path or in the same areas. And I think one of the big things that I've learned a lot lately is that, you know, you have to acknowledge those things and let go of people because if you don't spend your time spinning your wheels on relationships that aren't serving you. And then when you do finally let go, you open up a, a bunch of space in your heart, in your mind, in your life, in your body, in your energy for new people to come in and enrich your life and add value to your life and, and meet you where you're at or, or meet you where you're trying to go and help get you there. But it is a lesson when you've had people in your life for so long and you're like, but but we've been friends forever. We're supposed to be friends forever. And you're not always supposed to be. You're not, you're not always supposed to be. And you know, in, in the, in that situation in with my, with my dad, like I run into his friends all the time. Like, this is where I grew up. This is where his people are. And, you know, he's a well-known member of the community and they're like, Oh, how is he? How's everything going? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But, but whatever he's doing, wherever he's at, I wish him well. Mm -hmm. And I want him to, I want him to be good. And, you know, it's all of those things. Like that friend of mine that called that needed, you know, my connections. I'm sorry. I I hope you're doing good. You do you. And I'm going to do me because I need to, I need to take care of my husband. I need to take care of my kids. I need to take care of my friends and family that pour into me. And you need to take care of yourself. And I need to take care of myself, which is another part that I learned because PTSD is a bitch. Oh, and I am not one that ever had anxiety. I'm not one that really ever had like any sort of ADD or ADHD or anything like that. I'm a head down, work your ass off, get your shit done kind of girl. Mm-hmm. That funk, that PTSD, that my life is in shambles, but I'm going to just keep going. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to power through because I've always done that. That doesn't work all the time. Yeah. And so I had, you know, I decided, you know, what's the definition of insanity? If you keep doing the same thing over and over and, and expecting the results. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so me powering through is not getting me out of this funk. Me powering through is not making me feel better. Me powering through is still losing myself and I'm gaining weight and all of these things. And I have to fix this. Mm -hmm. So 2017 October hits 2018 October, man, I read so many growth books. Mm -hmm. I read I read so, so many things to try and help me through the funk and the anxiety and the depression and, you know, feeling like the walls are closing in. And so I pivoted and I was like, I'm going to work out. I'm going to, you know, I have one life and I'm going to 
I'm going to fucking live it. Yes. I do not want to be, you know, I, I love, 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 love my grandparents. They were not the healthiest and they had a hard time getting around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my mom and my stepdad have always, you know, tried to stay active. And, you know, my mom's working out every morning. She's worked out more in her sixties than she's ever worked out in her entire life. And I things (laughs) because she wants, she's got all these freaking grandkids that she wants to keep up with. And, and I'm like, I don't ever want to get to that point that I'm in my sixties worrying about this. Mm -hmm. And while I was never, you know, obese or any of those things, I wanted to be better for me. Exactly. So it took a little bit for my husband who is an athlete, but he was dealing with his own, you know, PTSD and everything else from the fires. And you can't force anybody to make any decisions. They have to do it themselves and want to do it. So I started following, you know, Instagram fitness people that I related to mm-hmm. not someone who is, you know, 25 and, you know, has been fit their entire life and right. other, I couldn't get on board with those people. I tried, I, I really did. Um, well, it's, it's all, I feel like there's a level of comfort too, when you see somebody and you're like, Oh, their body's similar to mine. And maybe we're similar in age and, Oh, she's doing things that that sounds fun. That sounds, I, I feel like I could do that too. Versus when you look at some of these, you know, like six to legs for days, you know, <laughs> like uh, always naturally muscular. And you're like, well, yes. I'm never going to look like that. So <laughs> no, I'm never going to look like that. I was, uh, when I hit puberty thick, I got, I got what, what we call it is the original and real Kim K booty because I'm six months older than Kim K. I mean, I've always been the thicker girl, but you know, cheerleader dancing, all of those things. Um, I was never a size four and that's okay. Not everybody's meant to be a size four. It's fine. But I also did the same. We're not meant to be the same. We're all meant to be different. And you know, with that, but I couldn't relate. So I had to, I started searching out. Mm-hmm. Um, every, if anybody fo- follows Mari fitness, dude, that chick was my jam. She is in her twenties and she has taken off, but I've watched her from the very beginning. And I'm don't even know the, I don't even know the woman. I'm so freaking proud of this girl. Like oh, so that. proud of her. Um, been there since the beginning. And so I, she had like at home workouts that you could print out. Like I bought them online and printed them out and, you know, started like looking at different ways of eating. I'm not going to call it diet. I think diet is such a terrible word and diet culture and that whole thing, I think is such bullshit and not everybody, not every way of eating works for everybody. Oh my God. Preach. I have said that so many times and it's just like, it's so, it's so infuriating. Cause it's like, it's nothing is one size fits all. Like what kind of foods work for your body might not work for my body might not work for his body and his body and her body. And that's totally okay. But it's like, you have to take the time with like trial and error almost and say like, okay, does eating like this work for me? Does eating like that work for me? Yes. 
And also while like finding things that you like, because ultimately like we have to, we're human beings. We have to eat every single day. So if you aren't eating things that you actually enjoy and you think taste good, and then also they work for your body and your goals, you're going to just fall off and go dive right back into the in and out line and ice cream and cake and pizza and all the things that you, you know, are fine in moderation, but not daily. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so with that, it was like trial and error, try and try and figure out what it is that works for me. And Roy eventually got on board with me because he saw that it wasn't just going to be, you know, something that I do for a month or something like that. It was one of those where I made a decision and I read somewhere about keeping, holding yourself accountable. Like we hold other people accountable. We hold people in our lives accountable, people at work, all of those sorts of things. And it was, why am I going to break a promise to myself? Mm -hmm. What kind of person am I? If I break promises to myself, right? Exactly. And I was like, fuck this. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) And so getting up at four 30, going to the gym every single morning at first dealing with those printed out paper workouts Mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. Now she's got an app. So that makes it a whole lot easier, but paper workouts. And then we decided, well, let's try keto. Let's see how this works. And, you know, I know that keto gets bad rap and crap like that, but you don't need to eat cheese and bacon and, you know, <laughs> bowl of coffee shit every single day. You just right. don't. That's not what it's about. Yeah. Um, so I loved, I loved when keto first became popular and seeing people who didn't truly read up on it and understand right. like the concept and the theories and and what foods you should actually be eating if you're going to go 100% into this. And also that it only works really well if you do go 100% in. And so like seeing guys who, you know, needed to lose like 30, 40 pounds, just going real hard on the salami and cheese and then, but also drinking beer. And I'm like, that's not it. (laughs) That is not it. Um, yeah, that that's not so like, we were smart about it. We, I, man, I did a lot of research and I said, okay, well, let's try it. And there's definitely trial and error in trying it. And the things that absolutely do work and things that don't work. And, you know, for us, it was one of those that, you know, we really got down and dirty with it at the end of 2018. And, it was one of those things that within a year, a little less than a year, um, you know, we were those gym people like every single day, you know, what did I call it? Um, like we were at the gym Thanksgiving morning and, you know, beast mode before feast mode, (laughs) you know, my, my birthday, we were at the gym at, you know, 7am. And did I go and eat a real bagel, a real Jewish bagel afterwards? Hell fucking yeah, I did. It was my birthday, but I got my workouts in and things like that. And Roy, because I don't, men lose weight so much faster. It's so fucking infuriating, you know, 
so annoying. Like they think about losing weight and drop five pounds. I like, I breathe by a cake and gain five pounds. It's like, what? No joke. <laughs> and so like in like three months, he lost like 55 pounds, Damn. And, but it took me a, about a year to lose 45. But that's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fucking great. Oh my God. It's not the faint of heart and, you know, not for lack of trying. Cause I definitely tried plenty of times before. Like I, I, you know, lose some pounds here and lose some pounds there. You know, having kids, your weight tends to go up and down like the same 15 pounds. It's so annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, 45 pounds and it was gone. And I couldn't be happier at the same time by making those changes, by having that hyper-focus and starting our mornings off with workouts and all those sorts of things. I became better at everything. Mm, I love that. I became better at work. I earned accolades in that year that I had been striving for, for eight years. Wow. I became a better wife because my husband and I, we have opposite schedules. He's a coach by trade. So his day starts when my day ends, when my work day ends. And so we don't hardly see each other and we don't see each other on the weekends. And so like we had more time together. We had, you know, those two hours in the morning every day together, which we hadn't had in years. Mm. And with that, you know, when you're working out and you're losing energy or losing weight and all of those sorts of things, you have more energy. So Mm -hmm. I had more energy for my kids at the end of the day and, you know, better mom, better wife, you know, better work. Shit. I hope I was a better friend. I, I, I'm sure you would. No, I'm sure you are. And I think that that's like, it's so true. I think when you I always say that, you know, I've said for years and years and years that I don't think being selfish is a bad thing. And like, you know, when, when your kids and you're growing up and your parents will tell you like, share your toys, don't be selfish. And it's almost like the word selfish is, is ingrained into us. Like it's a bad thing, but I think being selfish is a good thing when it applies to taking care of ourselves, because if I don't take care of me, nobody else is going to take care of me. If I don't prioritize my sleep, my health, my, my fitness, my, you know, how am I going to prioritize my job and like being a good partner and being a good daughter and being a good friend? Like, how am I going to be a good leader if I'm not taking care of myself to be the best me that I can be so I can show up for all of my responsibilities? And I wish more people knew that. I wish, I wish that was taught Mm -hmm. because if you are on empty, how do you pour into those other parts of your life? You don't. Exactly. You, you, you can't. And it's burnout mode and it's anxiety and it's depression. And it's all those other things that also go along with, I literally have nothing else to give. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to give to yourself. Yes, you, you do. You have to give to yourself. You have to prioritize the parts of your life that fill you up. And for me, it's working out. And for me, it's spending time with my husband and my kids and spending time with my friends. And, you know, I 
it's my daily phone calls to my mom. And they, when I tell you daily phone calls, I literally call my mom when I leave my house in the morning on my way to work. I have a 13 minute commute and we talk for probably eight. And then, um, after I get in my car from my office to head home, I call my mom and we talk for eight to 10 more minutes. Oh, that's so sweet. And those are the things that fill me up mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong. There's plenty of parts of my life that are exhausting and wear me. I mean, we pushed off this interview because I knew I needed to sleep and get some crap done around the house. <laughs> and I was like, Nikki, I just can't. And you're like, that's okay. I get it. Go be selfish. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to go be selfish. I'm going to sleep for two more hours. Totally. Totally. I mean, and that's even like one of the crazy things too, that like we can do this on zoom versus, you know, being in person, not that I wouldn't have loved having you here, but I mean, it's great that we can do all of these things as, you know, a result of technology. It certainly makes things easier when we're all busy and have a million things going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are some good things that came out of, you know, pandemic and, and zoom is good and bad. (laughs) Yes, totally. I know. I know it's funny because some days I'm like, I don't want to be on another zoom call for like, get me out of here. I don't want to talk to people, but then it is funny too, because I even think back to prior when we would be on, you know, I got even, we, uh, my old job, we had, we called it on a bridge, but there'd be people from all over the world or, or different States or whatever. And it was always just voice only. There was never any video. And so now because of zoom, whenever I get on calls and if like some of the people on the call have their camera off, I'm always like, Oh, where are you? I want to see your face. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, what kept us all together, you know, and what was it? Zoom virtual happy hours that we were all doing. Right. Yeah. Yes. Virtual happy hours were great. They were silly at first, but man, were they, they were a lifesaver when everyone was, you know, locked at home. I know. Well, and then, but the only downside or, or I don't know if it was a downside. I mean, it certainly was great since I wasn't driving anywhere, but living by myself and being on a zoom happy hour and then hanging up and realizing I'm absolutely wasted home alone. (laughs) (laughs) But then it's like, oh, well, at least I'm home. Like I don't have to worry about getting myself home. (laughs) I'm safe right where I'm at. I can just walk upstairs and go to bed. That's right. Oh my gosh. Well, um, this has been very enjoyable and I mean, enjoyable, obviously not what you went through was not enjoyable for me to hear, but I, you know, I, I think I said this in another conversation I had where, you know, I learned so much, like, I didn't know, you know, the whole story of the fire. I didn't know, you know, kind of what your, what you went through after what you went through in those moments. And I love, like for me, one of the things that I think is the best part about this concept for round two is just seeing what people have learned and then how have you applied that after the fact and what changes happened. And maybe, maybe you would have got there eventually, but maybe you wouldn't be there yet. Maybe you wouldn't have already got there in your life. So I feel like it's neat because you almost see like, Hey, like, because this happened, now I'm doing this and look at how much better I am and look at what I learned from it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the major takeaways of all of it is life is short. It literally can turn into a fireball 
in a moment's notice, completely out of left field. So do the things that make you happy, have the relationships that fill you up, close the chapters on the ones that don't. And if there are things in your life that you want to do, figure out a way and go do them because you know, everything, everything could change. Oh, and don't save the good wine for special occasions. Yes. Bring the fucking wine. <laughs> yes. Being from the wine country and losing all of your wine in a fire because you're like, oh, no, that bottle's too good. Like, we shouldn't drink it just on a Tuesday night with this dinner. Fuck that. Drink the wine. Every Tuesday night is a special night if you want it to be. You're literally preaching to the choir. I mean, my... Like anybody who knows me, even when I had to give a presentation for my final interview step for the job that I currently have, I had to basically present like how I would do what I would come in and do in my first like 30, 60, 90 days based on what I had, what I was told during my interview process. And then my last slide, I put in some photos so they could like see, you know, a little bit about me as a human being, not just as, you know, a potential leader. And I put my literal life quote is always drink the good champagne. And like my entire team knows if, if you were to ask them what's Nikki's like mantra is always drink the good champagne. Fuck yes. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You are the best. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your, your story. Now here's a question because so when I was talking with Jen and I'm wondering, is this something where we all get to when we're, you know, in our forties where it's like, everybody's just like, live your life. You do you like take the risks. Is that something that we just all wake up and get to when we hit that, that pivotal birthday? And then it just gets louder and stronger and bigger from there. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a pivotal birthday or I don't know if it's something, you know, a life lesson that you kind of go through and you, you find that on the other side. It's one of those things that you know, for my kids, my daughter's 18 and she's, you know, fresh off to college and things like that. I'm trying to teach her all of those things now. And, you know, at some point she's going to be like, Oh, my mom was right. Um, (laughs) Totally. (laughs) But, you know, it's one of those things, you know, right now it's like, it's, it's your job to manage your own emotions. It's not your job to manage somebody else's emotions. Don't be an asshole and always be respectful, but it's not your job to manage anybody else's emotions. Well, you can't. I mean, I I always remind myself that the only thing I am in control of is literally myself right here, right now. That's That's it. Only thing I have control over. And it's hard for someone who is a, as my dad would say, a control freak And I've had to learn over, and I've learned it, especially over the last six years, like just let go, let go. You can't control this situation. You can't control this person. You can't control that feeling. You can't control this. So all I remind, I can't tell you all I can control right now is me right here, right now in this moment. Exactly. Um, oh, and always find the silver linings. Look for the silver linings, even in the shittiest of moments, look for the silver. That is the best advice. And I mean, I am a natural optimist. I'm, I am always like, okay, well, like we'll figure it out or, you know, what, what can I learn from this? And, and 
even, you know, in moments where, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, my feelings are so hurt or this really sucks or whatever. And I'm always like, what can I learn? Like, what's the positive from here? Cause there's always something you just have to be open to seeing it. Yeah. Every, every situation in life has a lesson in it, but if you can find the silver lining in the fires for us within a week, I said to my husband, what's something we lost in the fires that you're so happy is gone. <laughs> And he said, those fucking sweatpants and that ratty t-shirt you love to sleep in. I'm so happy those are gone and you're going to have to get <laughs> Oh my God, that's hilarious. But and that so, actually is funny to think about like after the fact when you have, or you like, or just whatever it is, something where you're just like, God, I hate this, but you haven't taken the time to get rid of it. Yes. So we did a whole, like in moments where we would feel down, we're like, what are things that we aren't going to fucking miss now. Yeah. So you always got to look for the silver linings. And always. just like that, when he told me that, that made me laugh so hard. I bet. After you got to yeah. find the- Yeah. There's always something to laugh at today. I actually caught myself sitting at my desk and I thought of something and then it made me think a different thought. And I started laughing so hard by myself. By yourself in your office at work. Just oh, 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 like a random office. Coat. I don't have an office. I sit at a, at a debt, a long, like there's like just rows, but because our office is so big and because the majority of people are remote, I sit there by myself. So thankfully we're on the second floor. So it's not like anybody could walk by from like the, on the sidewalk and see this woman sitting there by herself, just laughing hysterically at her own internal monologue is what was happening. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Of course you were. <laughs> I can see it, but I also know you. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is a good day. This is a good day. All right. Well, thank Trisha. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. Um, as I mentioned, new episodes come out every Monday. Uh, feel free to, you know, like subscribe the Instagram, TikTok, all the things, leave a review if you so wish. Um, at Instagram, Instagram and TikTok are both at round two podcast. And thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And we will talk to you next week.